This is episode number 682 with Miko Yuck, host of the Analytics on Fire podcast. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Miko Yuck, a straight shooter who pulls absolutely no punches in her assessment of, well, of anything, but particularly about vendors in the data analytics space. Miko is host of the popular Analytics on Fire podcast, which has a cult following. She co-founded the BI Brains Group, an analytics consulting and solutions company that has taught over 15,000 students analytics, visualization, and data storytelling courses, including at major multinationals like Nestle, FedEx, and Procter & Gamble. She authored the Data Visualization for Dummies book and is a sought-after keynote speaker and TV news commentator. In this episode, Miko details her BI, Business Intelligence, and Analytics Framework that persuades executives with data storytelling. She fills us in on what the top BI tools are on the market today and the BI trends she's observed that could predict the most popular BI tools of the coming years. All right, let's jump right into our conversation. Miko, welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. I've been trying to get you on the show for ages, and now you're finally here. Where in the world are you calling in from? I'm from Hotlanta, Georgia. I've never been to Atlanta, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot going on here. I don't know if you saw, we recently got the FIFA and the Olympics coming here. So like construction is in and traffic is insanity. Not that we need more, but like (laughs) we've got got awarded votes. So it's it's wrong out here. It's the longest commute in America. On oh. average. <laughs> so I'm like you, like we were talking before the show, I live on one road and I just go back and forth. I, I've, you know, in Atlanta, you have to do it for your sanity. Yeah. Um, so I had, you recommended to me as a guest by several people. And I think the last person of at least three people that recommended you was Kate Strashny, who's a wonderful person in the data community. And so on the third recommendation, I was like, all right, we're doing this right away. And then it took a while to get you booked. You're a very tough, uh, a very hot ticket in town down in Atlanta, but we've now finally pulled it off and you're here. So you're the host of the Analytics on Fire podcast. It's, yes, sir. Uh, it has been, and it may even be still today, the number one podcast in analytics. You are in the top 2% globally across all podcasts, including like all the mainstream podcasts out there, which is wild. And you have somewhat of a cult following. Um, So I understand you can tell us a bit more about this, but when you go to conferences, you have people coming up to you. Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, so Analytics on Fire is a cult. It's no longer a podcast. That's what we call it a cult. (laughs) And because I will go to conferences and because we didn't produce like t-shirts and cups, people will print their own things, come up and be like, hey, Miko, like I've been watching you for like how many years and I have my cup with me because I knew you were here or their t-shirts or like, You know, I have people that will like walk up and many times and be like, oh, when I started my job, your podcast was mandatory to my job. So, you know, because we're like your podcast, we're like, you know, educational, we bring in leaders, taught leaders like yourself, and they talk about topics that are relevant that can really help people. Mm -hmm. So the whole premise of it is that we do no BS. So there's no fluff on our podcast. We tell it as it is good and bad. So I think people appreciate that, you know, there's no marketing. Yeah, you are famously no BS. That's one thing that I know about you for sure. Yeah, (laughs) So speaking of educational, you also co-founded an organization called BI Brains, like business intelligent, uh, business intelligence brains, but the uh, the brains has a Z on the end or a Z depending on where you are in the world. 
Yeah, uh, we won't talk about the jerk off that wouldn't sell us the one with the S because he's known in the industry. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. What a job. Um, All right. <laughs> but, uh, S or not, BI Brains has been a big hit. You've had 15,000 students uh, use uh, some kind of education from the platform. So you have online students, but also in-person trainings. And so you've had uh, seven-figure revenue for the online course alone, eight-figure revenue if you include the other kinds of training. Consulting, yep. Yeah, consulting. And so I understand that a big part of what BI Brains teaches is your BIDS framework. This is the B-I-D-S framework, which is uh, the BI slash analytics data storytelling framework. And so the idea here is it's a framework for allowing data storytelling, data visualization to uh, persuade decision makers, right? All right. So I started out as a consultant in enterprise, quickly rose up to top 1%. So I worked in New York. I think I told you that on 42nd and 2nd, quickly became like top 1% in the world in that, in that field. And then realized that like I went through so much that I wanted to help other people in enterprises basically go through what I didn't go through. And so I actually developed a framework to help people that were like me. Then it would become such a hit, let's be honest. Like I put it out there and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to put it out there before, you know, community and all this stuff. And then, you know, who knew there were so many people like me that were really struggling with this, you know, just we were, we had data visualizations, we had reports, but it's like, how do you tell the story? Like, how do I get John to make a decision? Because putting a chart in front of John is not working, right? And so crafting that story and created a framework around that, particularly for enterprises where there's all these complexities and diplomacy and all that stuff, that became a hit. So it was, you know, it was even surprising to us, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell us about the framework. Break it down for us. Yeah. So without advertising, um, it's very straightforward. So one of the things I noticed, um, John, and you'll appreciate this because, you know, you're in a decision making role, right? You're an executive. Is that a lot of times, you know, when you come to need and reporting, people tend to focus on two things, right? They focus on the data and they focus on the medium, the output, whether it's the visualization or the report. What I tend to realize and what I learned was before you get to all that stuff of visual and data, you actually need to understand what the hell the person wants. And so what I did is I created a framework on three tenants, which is the first one is what you ask. So when you're working with someone, what are the exact type of questions you need to ask and not ask? Then it's what you write. So the second part is about actually how to storyboard and we've created our own storyboard. And then it's what to, what to visualize or draw. Right. So then it's what how do you express and communicate that? So we kind of went backwards. But that was, again, just based on my experience consulting with Fortune 500 companies around the world. And that has been a hit. We've had multiple companies adopt it from Shell to Ericsson to Nestle, you name it across the globe. They've brought it in. You know, a lot of time we get data leaders or BI leaders that will bring it in, adopt it. And it, it works with any BI tool. So we're tool agnostic. Oh, gotcha. So some people, I guess, kind of the big kind of tools in the BI space are Tableau, Power BI. Correct. Totspot. Uh, Correct. And so with us, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, the reality is that, and you know this, John, all these tools have a bar chart, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, you know, one of them may take two clicks to get to a bar chart. Another one may take three clicks, but, you know, they all have a bar chart. And so we stayed away from the tool and we focus on the framework and whatever output you have, you can actually build in any tool that you want. Because you notice the tool, the tool, this is like the Fortune 500, right? It comes and goes. I mean, in the next three years, it's all going to change again, right? Today, it was Tableau yesterday. First, it was business objects, then Tableau, and now it's Power BI. Two to three years from now, it'll be, you name it, 
you know, so we it was very smart for us not to hook into a tool because I think tools come and go, but you got to have the foundational knowledge. Nice. Do you have, uh, from your perspective there, do you have any insights for us onto what the next tool might be? Yeah, so I have some thoughts. I get access. That's actually the number one question I get asked. Oh, really? Uh, I was and like, I, oh, I've got such a smart question. I bet no one thinks No, this. but I used to never <laughs> answer it across the world. Like, it's literally, I'd be in these keynotes. I'd be at these, like, customer events, like, at the vendor mm-hmm. event. And they're like, Nico, what tool do you prefer? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's not the tool <laughs> of the vendor I'm speaking at. So... right so i was like "Mm, i refuse i plead the fifth but um i don't know you know i have some hope for thought spot i think they're doing some super cool stuff um they're kind of ahead in nlp um and and kind of how they approach it there's some contenders up and coming um you know there's this headless bi concept now companies like good data my good friend ryan dolly works there so there's some stuff but i don't know I think Power BI is going to be the king of the land or queen for at least another three to four years solid. I, I just don't see anybody that's close enough. And I think Tableau is going a different direction. So if anybody, maybe a thought spot, maybe, maybe a good data. So I have a few questions coming out of this. So first yeah. of all, what is headless BI? What does that mean? Okay. So I know you've heard about reverse ETL, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but maybe you can break it down for our listeners. Okay, well, I am no specialist in reverse ETL, but I could tell you what it is only because I know the two companies very well that do it, which is High Touch or um, Census. I think you've heard of both of those. So essentially reverse ETL, what ETL used to be was you would have to take the data and get it into one place, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you get it in that one place, you would do all this stuff data and then you could use it. Mm-hmm. Reverse ETL is the opposite. Reverse ETL is, you know what? We're not taking the data in one place. We're going to put everything, we're going to take all the data sources and let you kind of pull from them pull it together, pull from them as needed and do what you need to do. So essentially what it does is it kind of eliminates this kind of, you know, single source of truth. I call, you know, I call, so I can go on a rant on this. I lived through the data warehouse era. I hate to age myself, right? And I call the data warehouse era, the Lord of the Rings. Why did I call it this? <laughs> why did I call it the Lord of the Rings? You remember the ring in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. It was the precious. Yeah. That is what a data warehouse is. Right. Do you remember how he went down the dark tunnel to try to get it? He never came. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. You get it, right? So I would live through the, the data warehouse era where everybody wanted a single source of the truth. And so it's kind of funny today to see that they're like, you know what? The hell with that. Stop it. Stop it. You no longer want that. Just give us our data. And so I think out of that, it has bred stuff like reverse ETL and quote unquote headless BI, right? So a company like Good Data, and this, I hope I get it right, um, Ryan explained it to me, they're not focused on having a encompassing like a poor BI, BI tool where they then hold your data and then you have the visual end, right? They're focused on allowing you to take the data and you can actually connect it to any tool that you want, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a headless BI. It doesn't have its own quote unquote face, like a poor BI or a Tableau. Does that make sense? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it's kind of more like an API than a UI. That's exactly correct. And don't get me wrong, they do have a visualization um, element or element to report on, but you don't have to use it. So they allow people with all these different data sources to kind of be a bit more free, I guess, heterogeneous in terms of their approach in how they want to visualize, right? I think I think it's a result of the failed data lakes. It's a different discussion. <laughs> it gets a result of the data leaks that everybody wanted like five years ago that failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So now we're headless. We're like headless BI. So yeah. All right. Pretty animated there. All right. I mean, I'm going on a rant. 
going back, you mentioned that Power BI you think is going to be queen for a while. So what is it about yeah. Power BI that makes it the default choice today? So it's not a great tool. <laughs> okay, Power BI is not a great tool. I just, and forgive me, Lord, I have so many friends at Microsoft. That and must be, actually... It must be the first Microsoft tool that people don't like. <laughs> right nah, yeah okay no, I'm, uh, um i i don't have any i like if people haven't figured this out from the show before i don't have any microsoft software anywhere uh okay yeah. i'm an apple girl so i i think i have microsoft on my desktop granted but like the licensing is always an issue because they can never get it right but anyway so power bi is not a great tool the the power of power bi is the fact that you get everything that comes with it like azure right so I think what, what they have done, though, is that they've allowed Power BI to show up in Office 365 where anybody can download it. But as a visualization tool coming from like a sophisticated tool like Business Objects or Tableau, like I did, Power BI is like chump change, baby change. So, you know, I love Microsoft. Oh, God, let me help you. Microsoft people, I love you. I was a Microsoft RD and a Power yeah. <laughs> I and need to put do, this out there. They do I, amazing I love you. research. They actually right. they publish more than any of the other big tech companies. Well, I call them the Mercedes-Benz of, 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 of our industry, right? Mercedes-Benz has more patents than anybody else. So I consider them to be, but what is good about Power BI is Microsoft. Microsoft's innovation cycle and the way that they're innovating, that's why I would get Power BI. Not because the tool is great, because they are not stopping. You know, you could see how quickly they jumped into OpenAI. I mean, they were on it before the thing got hot, you know? So right. I think with Power BI, what you see is people see that Microsoft is leading as a company and they realize, hey, this tool one isn't going to disappear and it's going to continue to evolve. Gotcha. So it's it's the queen because Microsoft evolves so quickly. They Innovation. integrate things so quickly. And it also gives you great connectivity with Azure. Yeah, like take an example, the Python thing. Microsoft bought R. The Power BI team saw Python was running. Yeah, they bought they bought R. They bought R. I believe so. Source. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I think they. They bought R. They did a stake in it. They identified that Python was Python was hot, and even though R was a big investment, they just they just opened the door to Python. You know, they they are they are very forward thinking. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, so Microsoft yeah. acquired Revolution Python. Analytics. Correct. With uh, in yes. 2015, and yeah, Revolution Correct. was a commercial provider. Of, of our, our software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Right. And so think about that. They made this big investment and because they thought that was the way forward. Again, they were ahead of their time, saw Python pick up. And I was there when, you know, when that decision was made and they said, you know what, investment or not, we're open the door to Python. And so Power BI fully works with Python. And so, you know, that mm -hmm. level of thinking where you're willing to be heterogeneous and even cannibalize your own products, that's a company that's going to thrive. I right? guess with how, with how big they are, they're going to have to be can cannibalizing correct uh, butchering the cannibalizing <laughs> cannibalizing they're gonna have to cannibalize something uh because they, they're, they've got tentacles in everything in so, everything yeah. correct yeah so i just think microsoft is a winning they're winning all around and i i don't i don't see that stopping anytime soon i mean you know you have salesforce you have google with looker you know at one point i thought looker was going to be up there google acquired them um, you have Tableau, Salesforce acquired them. I mean, what do, what do we really have left? You know, I don't know if ThoughtSpot's going to get acquired. You know, MicroStrategy has been hanging around. No one will buy it because of the effed up CEO. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> is this, should I not say that on this podcast? No, I'm glad that it's awesome to have you be so open about, yeah, I, I try to 
I guess I'm too diplomatic, maybe too much of the time. I should take I should take a note out of your book. I love it. I'm really. Oh, enjoying. you didn't see my last post telling people sayonara. Oh yeah, I'll have to sit up. <laughs> it went viral. You didn't see it? Yeah, I um posted something controversial and I lost like 150 followers like within hours, and they were all like the top viewers were CEOs, founders, directors, executives, and I said sayonara, and it went. Viral. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's I mean, after the pandemic, like life is, you know, it just, it's gotta be me. Um, well, it's great to have that on this show. Thank you, Miko. Um, yeah. So effed up CEO. <laughs> Michael. I mean, he, Michael Saylor, like he's all Bitcoin now. So, you know, it's, if you want to do Bitcoin, you can invest in Michael strategy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so this is all news to me, uh, but, uh, okay. So we've talked about the frameworks, uh, or sorry, we've talked about these different, bi tools and gotten your great insights on them i actually dragged you over here on a tangent what we were talking about was your state your bids framework uh the yes. bi and analytics data storytelling framework and so you were telling us about it you were saying that you break things up into three categories of questions and so there was what kinds of questions to ask and then there's yes. how do you visually communicate and i didn't catch what the third one was and it's what do you write so we go from asking right. questions taking the answers and put it in the storyboard. So that's the written part. And then we take that and we visualize and communicate it. Because uh, what I found, what I found in, you're in New York, right, John? Yep. Okay, so you know the New York crowd. It's a tough crowd. Like it's, it's. I started my career in New York and I got my handed to me every day. It was like clockwork. I got, I went to work, got my handed to me, went back home, looked at it, cried, went back to work, got it handed to me again, right? Um, and so, <laughs> and so what I learned, what I quickly learned in New York taught me that lesson was that I was asking the wrong questions. So I would open my mouth and it would be like freaking like, again, Lord of the Rings. Like it would just like open the door to all these crazy responses that I couldn't control. And so what I learned was I break the framework down into specific questions that you ask to get the right answers. Mm -hmm. So that that was that was a big starting point of how you actually get the conversation under control. Nice. Um, so I mentioned how you are or you were co-founder. I guess you. I, yeah. I guess you're co-founder. Somebody's co-founder forever. It's present tense. You are a co-founder of the the BI Brains Group um, that does uh, the education around this framework uh, and that has all these students and seven figure. They're amazing. But that no longer is your focus. And actually, your most recent role was yeah. at Count as their chief data evangelist. But you're also, you've stepped back uh, from that for the most part. You're just doing a little bit of advisory. Did it for a year. Now. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And uh, so now you're looking for your next big thing, at least at the time of recording. Yes. And so, yeah, tell us about that search. I know from a post that you recently made, I'm going to include this, uh, a link to this post in the show notes, but you mentioned how uh, when you scroll through your newsfeed and you see who's being affected by layoffs, it seems layoffs. to be uh, disproportionately affecting some groups. Correct. Yeah. So this is, again, not to me, like, so just so we're clear, count is amazing. Um, I was not treated in any way discriminatory. I need to put that out there because some people wrote me and said, what did count do you? I'm like, count did nothing. My Our CEO is amazing. I was treated amazingly. But this is just my observation. And I've been watching it now for months. So if you go to tech layoffs, anytime you see tech like Shopify layoffs or not the product, any company, just any of them, just scroll down 
And what you mostly see is either women, older people, or just minorities as a whole. Okay. And so I, I, I've been tracking this and I kind of started, I looked at it and I said, well, you know what? This is not conclusive, right? I was a data scientist. So I'm like, you can't just look at a LinkedIn. Maybe women are more expressive, you know, and maybe they just go online and post. So I decided to start to speak to people. And unfortunately, behind the scenes, I had gentlemen, white males, confirming to me that, hey, something does look a little stinky, you know, in multiple companies. And I said, well, you know, like, what, what's going on? And they said, well, there's so much happening it like it happened so fast, you, you only could see it after the fact. But I did actually go back in and confirm through a few companies with no names called that like, you know, some people are watching this going, hey, this this is a little stinky. Like, why do we get rid of the, the women on maternity and why we get rid of all, you know what I mean? So there is some discrimination going, you know, I had multiple women tell me, yeah, I'm, you know, 35 or 38 or 45 and all that's left is a 20 year old woman. I had, I've heard that multiple times, you know, or I had gentlemen tell me that they're like, yeah, I have all this experience, you know, and all that's left is one set of age group as a good example. So I, I, again, not conclusive until you have the data. I was a data scientist, so I'm sensitive to that. I understand that, but it's very visual and it tells a lot. And so, you know, there's definitely something happening. And I think my biggest fear is that we're, you know, three, four years from now going to look exactly how we looked before, like we're reversing you know, and so it's just a big fear, but I went viral. Yeah. I just, I just put it out there because I was trying to call out to say, Hey, if you're reading this. And then I got a bunch of private DMs of gentlemen telling me, you know, Hey Miko, what you do matters. And, you know, thank you for pointing this out. Clearly don't want to be public, but you know, they, they're like, what you do matters. You should just know that what you do matters. Don't lose your voice. What you do matters. So I know that if it saved one minority, in any category, whether it's gender, ethnicity, race, or age, it was worth the worth the loss of followers, you know? Yeah, I am aware of at least one big tech company that in layoffs was, I think there's a lot of uh, constraints against letting people go when they're in maternity leave. Right. Um, but so something that they were doing was people who had been approved for maternity leave say to start Correct. next week. That's correct. And that's wild. And it, and it just sabotages. It's like somebody took the list and just sabotaged yeah. it. But no, I spoke to women that were at home with their babies on leave and got the axe. I mean, just flat out got the axe. Like they were scheduled to come back to work next week or da-da-da. And they just, they just told them, don't bother to come back, you know? So, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not saying, again, without conclusive data, we're data people. We got to be careful that it's maybe it's only visible the people who type of people who post but it, it you know talking to people i got a good perspective that yeah there's, there's some smelly stuff going you know that supposedly it's random but it just keeps all looking the same yeah well so there's a good project out there maybe for a listener where uh something that yeah. i'm sure i've said on air before is that you know if you're looking for maybe your first data analytics job or your first data science job having your own portfolio of uh, research on some independently on some project that you independently conceived of. So good. Um, so this could potentially be one uh, where agreed into this problem and see whether this is in fact uh, you know something that you can, that bears out in the data. And Correct. yeah, if that is the case, then please tag Miko and me in a post yeah. about that. Yeah. So anyway, so that was just something that I saw again, not hopefully not necessarily affected me, but I did have an interesting mm -hmm. experience, but um, yeah, I'm out there looking for my next opportunity. Um, I'm interested in helping to build communities. I'm very, I'm very um, gunned up by how big BBT got on Slack. You know, that was very exciting for me. So I'm 
pretty excited, you know, not the developer advocate because I'm not as technical anymore, but anything that like drives community events, engagement, that's kind of where my sweet spot is. I'm a community, like you, a media person, community person, right? Well, no doubt. I like to build cult. Yeah. You're going to find an amazing cult to lead uh, next uh, alongside the cult that you continue to lead the AOF fam, analytics on fire fam cult. After I just defamed like five companies on a podcast, but yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's not going to be every company. Uh, (laughs) um, So Miko, this has been a really fun episode, of course. And we've also learned uh, some great perspective on the BI and analytics uh, landscape. So before I let my guests go, I always ask them for a book recommendation. Yeah, so this is definitely not your t- typical data book. Um, there's actually two books that I like. Um, the first one is The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, it's by George Clayson. It is epic. Um, I heard it first by, it was recommended by Noah Keegan from AppSumo. I'm assuming you're familiar with AppSumo. And he recommended it. And so I took it and I did the audio version, which, you know, audiobooks always wear, depending on the narrator. It's such a good book. It's kind of like Slumdog Millionaire style, but the lessons that are learned are amazing. And if people like that book, one of my other favorite books I'm reading right now is The Psychology of Money. Those are both like epic books. Psychology of Mind? Of Money. Of Money. It's epic. Yeah. So those are both, you know, and, and so much more than money, obviously. I know they both talk about wealth, but the way and the style the books are written, it's so much more deeper than, you know, just financials, right? It's just overall mindset. Because, you know, finance, financial financial wealth is a journey, right? It's not a it's not a marathon. It's no silver bullet. So those are two books I'd recommend. Nice. Very cool. Great practical and economical tips for our audience there. Thank you, Miko. All right. So I imagine there are lots of listeners out there who want to be able to follow you after this episode and get more real talk. <laughs> Except the uh, vendors. <laughs> what's good, what's bad, no punches held back. So obviously your Analytics on Fire podcast is a way for them to go. How else can they follow you? Yeah, so most people follow me on LinkedIn. Um, it's pretty easy, Miko Yuk, M-I-C-O-Y-U-K. And then recently I opened up my Instagram account. I'll be doing more on there, so feel free to follow me. And as you know, I'm getting ready to start my YouTube channel. So. Any of those channels will be great. As of today, I do a lot on Instagram and LinkedIn, but YouTube is next. Nice. We'll be sure to include links to all of those in the show notes. Miko, thank you for finally being on the show. It has been an absolute hoot to have you on, and hopefully it won't be too long before we can get you on again. Yay! All right. Well, hopefully hopefully you don't have any sponsors to get pissed off, but yeah, I'll be happy to come back. Thank you so much, John. (laughs) Thanks, Miko. What a switched on person Miko is about the analytics industry. In today's episode, she covered her BIDS, BI data storytelling framework for persuading decision makers. She talked about how Microsoft Power BI is the queen of analytics today, while ThoughtSpot could be the heiress. And she filled us in on how headless BI tools like Good Data allow for reverse ETL, that's extract, transform, and load operations. All right. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, keep on rocking it out there, folks, and I'm looking forward to enjoying another round of the Super Data Science Podcast with you very soon.